So we really started with the simple concept of, you know, what if we could just have a platform where we get people not to, you know, on, on social media, it's not just like our company, like a product. We ask them to demand that corporations use social plastic. And we've had over a million people ask for corporations to use social plastic. You know, tens of thousands of people on Twitter calling out brands by name. And we kind of keep looking at how do we a conduit for the fact that a lot of people don't want to do bad by purchasing and they're looking for an outlet to be part of a stopping ocean plastic. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. Today, we're excited to have on Sean Frankson of Plastic Bank. This concept blew my mind, and I found them online, and they are, well, he'll explain it better, but they're basically monetizing through blockchain technology, people picking up plastic bottles so they won't pollute the ocean and encouraging more corporations to use recycled plastic. You're going to thoroughly love their mission and love this interview. Uh, At the end, he gives all his contact information, so find them and see how you guys can get involved. All right, so dig in, take some notes, Sean Frankson. All right, so I'm excited today to bring on Sean Frankson. Sean, thanks very much for being on the show. Perfect, thanks for having me. All right, so you've got a cool idea going on, and I'm digging it. So I don't want to explain it. I'll let you do that, but I am thoroughly excited because you've taken kind of two cool things and mashed them up together. So tell us a little bit about Plastic Bank. Perfect. So at the Plastic Bank, we make plastic waste a currency so that people can go out, collect ocean plastic, and do it in a way that they improve their lives, and we stop ocean plastic in the process. So really, it's like a fair trade of recycling, where we found 80% of the world's plastic starts on land in developing countries, pushed into the rivers and waterways, and really the reason is that people see it as trash, they see it as garbage, but when we can have a system that we reward people for recycling and transfer as much value into their hands, we can reveal the value in plastic, which then makes it too valuable to become garbage. And that's really our root cause solution to stop ocean plastic. No, so I got to ask, when did you come up with this? I mean, first of all, I, I love it. I mean, you, you take something uh, that is not good for people and the ocean, and you take something that could be an economic boon. Like, where did this idea come about? Yeah, so the Plastic Bank is really a brainchild of David Katz, our current CEO and my co-founder. Um, David just had the idea that was really looking to create a new business that can impact a billion people's lives. You know, we've always been surrounded by the ocean. We've just had this amazing connection. And, you know, once you truly understand the damage we're doing to, your, to the ocean, it becomes heartbreaking. And we started to look for those business solutions. And David really just connected those dots that... Yeah, the only reason plastic is thrown in the ocean is because people just don't see the value in it. And if we could just reveal the value, it could become too valuable to end up in the ocean. Yeah. And, and you know, from the start, we were open that we, we really didn't have all the answers at all. It just felt like the right thing to do. And whenever anyone would ask, you know, what about this? Have you thought of that? Here's why it won't work. Here's why it could. You know, half the time the answer is really, I don't have the answer to that, but we're committed to figuring it out. And We've just committed ourselves to figuring it out. Wow. Okay. So now's the technical part of the talk. So when did you like, okay, maybe we can make this a blockchain thing. And and actually I should take two steps back. Um, Maybe 
because like the cryptocurrency thing has kind of um, gotten the lion's share. Uh, so when people think of like Bitcoin, then they hear the word blockchain and they don't necessarily know what blockchain is. So in the very most basic way you can kind of explain blockchain, then get into how plastic banks using blockchain. That's, tall, that's a tall order right now. <laughs> no, no, you put it in the perfect way. And, you know, even I always start when you get into blockchain, it's absolutely ignore Bitcoin. Bitcoin just happened to invent blockchain in the way it works. But almost everything else to do with Bitcoin has nothing to do with how blockchain has to work. So ignore that. Almost even ignore any concept of cryptocurrencies because a cryptocurrency is quite often something that uses blockchain. It's not what blockchain is. Blockchain is just simply the most secured and trusted way to instantly approve and record an exchange of value. I mean, if it wasn't in the media, if it wasn't such a hot button, it would literally just be called a system of database coding. Right now, that system of database coding has some really cool things, has made a lot of attention, so people are going blockchain crazy. And as much as I'm proud that we're using blockchain, as much as it makes total sense, quite often the blockchain mania is really getting excited about a new and better way of database coding. So with that being said, the sexy side of it is it is a new and better way of database coding. It's a new and better way to record exchanges in a way that we can really cut out the middlemen in a lot of systems where just the system itself has a consensus mechanism that things only happen when they're supposed to, which means transactions are only happening when they're supposed to. They're being recorded in the exact way that they're supposed to in one of the most unhackable methods, period, which is why when we look at what is data that we really need to trust, that's the kind of data that should be done on blockchain. So this is where we go to things like currencies and ways of tracking you know, things like diamond trades and things that if we just had irrefutable proof that, you know, everything was done right, everything was done legally, and the thing I bought, you know, came to me legally in all the ways it's supposed to, that's what blockchain is just a beautiful, beautiful technology for. So for us, it really started with the concept that we needed to scale around the world. We needed to put as much value into the hands of a collector which also meant, you know, to anyone contributing to our programs, we needed to prove and verify that people were getting exactly what we were promising. You know, it's one thing to easily set up systems and a lot of things, but to sometimes when you have that degree of doubt, was that promise delivered? And sometimes it becomes, well, I've heard another company, you know, just got in trouble for, you know, having people skim off the top or having something not go right. And if you can have just that one thing that we're not even the same as that because we're using a blockchain verified proof of delivery of a social impact, yeah, that really becomes almost the world's most irrefutable and authentic impact that just the technology itself can remove a lot of doubt. And same with for us, when we can have that safe mobile token-based savings, that's how we can provide bank accounts essentially to the world's unbankable. And we're not talking about a crypto cryptocurrency based on nothing jumping up and down like and recently jumping way down we're talking about what you could call an asset back token system so every time we have orders we put money in the account we create that exact amount of tokens to distribute for people to collect 
at which at any point they can safely cash out those amount of tokens. And we, let, we work in very vulnerable regions where at least it provides the option that if someone would rather save that value for the first time in their life, they can. And that's why we use that technology that's really that enterprise uh, system to provide savings. No, so that that's like really cool that you you know has to go against Ledger and everybody kind of checks it out. So um, the unit of monetization, obviously, like are you gonna get uh, money then because of the recycled plastic? You can take it back to manufacturers, or how's that working? Yeah, and that's exactly it. So we're the entire supply chain, which is almost very different than anything on the planet, where we set it up those systems, ensuring that the collectors get the most amount of value possible make sure all the plastic's sorted by type, color, weight, again, which allows the most amount of value to go to the collector, but also allows us to sell that plastic to the corporations in the end who will be using it, getting it in that condition that makes it usable for them. So we're essentially doing that entire supply chain from end to end. And it's really connecting those dots is how the entire flow goes through. So it is the corporations in the end that are buying that social impact plastic that ensures a social impact price is paid to the people involved. Oh, and you're incentivizing people to pick up trash. Uh, you know, well, and, and now, now I don't want to call trash. I mean, you're incentivizing for people to go out and comb the beach uh, for like, you would see somebody like, you know, doing a metal detector for pennies. And, and I mean, I, I'm, beyond excited for it because now all of a sudden you know it's cool to pick up trash it's cool to make a little side money um you've got it in a kind of a cool technology and yeah you're also going to places that they don't have traditional bank accounts or even banks in certain areas uh although i will have to say that so like the 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 unit of monetization so to speak so you you go to a place like let's just say um you know coastal ghana Uh, um, i always say that because i've been there um not a lot of banks in the area uh, especially, um, you know, if you go away from Accra. So how would somebody necessarily like use the, you know, monetization tool that you guys have? Yeah, so the way it works, I mean, mo- most systems still usually uh, start with the cash-based recycling. We then br- also bring in item-based recycling. So the example is not not everyone always even wants to be a professional recycler. But when we bring in things like water, sustainable cooking fuels, like even solar powered cell phone charging and really just necessities that community needs. There becomes an opportunity of one, people can choose to just get the things that they want or the things that they need. And sometimes again, that makes it where a community is recycling because they get their necessities, which sometimes can be very different than, you know, someone who's a professional recycler or not. With the token-based system, we have the opportunity for people to store those tokens spend the tokens at local vendors because the exact same blockchain app that we have allows anyone to run a storefront of any kind where it tracks their point of sale system, it tracks their digital receipt, uh, but it also gives them that digital wallet that allows them to accept and exchange those digital tokens. So we look at it in two fronts. That One, the more we can have that token-based economy where anyone can earn those tokens by recycling, We open the door that really any vendor, even if I sold water, can all of a sudden have anyone in the community afford what I'm selling because all they need to do is go recycle. And that becomes an equal opportunity for anyone. And then the same note, in any of these countries where there's any amount of danger or vulnerability with having a cash-based business, 
where, you know, the community knows that you always have cash and, you know, there can be a certain danger there. We even give the water vendor the opportunity to remove the need to have cash when anyone can afford what they're doing through recycling by accepting those tokens. So really in any country, we either have partners that can buy our tokens back. And again, it's an asset back token to the US dollar, which means it's always a stable, reliable, dependable price, which means whether it's a bank or a telecom or, you know, there's many different forms of cash back and ATM services. We can find the right partners in local areas who in a safe way give anyone the option at any time to just transition that money into cash. And again, we live in such a mobile payment world that, it, you know, without knowing where the penetration is in Africa, Africa is a huge mobile payment culture. So without 100% knowing if Ghana, as your example, is the one that just has a, you know, bulletproof mobile payment, quite often transferring our tokens into a mobile payment still is a digital world, but how someone can easily just get whatever the local currency is. And really, it's something that can adapt to every region. But uh, yeah, our real goal is you, you can really up the safety in communities when you can have a safe, reliable uh, token-based exchange system, which is, and again, just a different way of looking at a mobile uh, yeah. digital exchange. Wow. No, I'm, I'm, I'm geeking out just because, I mean, honestly, one of the... <laughs> One of the big ideas that I think has been lost behind, uh, you know, the cryptocurrency thing isn't riding the waves of fluctuation and making a quick profit. It's being able to transfer money and, and you know, and, and bypass, you know, banks that may be not for the public interest and uh, weird exchange rates and, you know, currency almost being valueless overnight, depending on their government. I mean, this is just so incredibly exciting. But this this has also got my you know spidey senses tingling of man you guys are up against a lot of obstacles. Um, so give give me a um, you know what has been kind of prototype one and how are you guys building out? Like obviously I know it'd probably be easier to start here in the U.S. But give me an example of a uh, of a developing nation that you're starting to see some some areas of interest and in, and in, um, leverage in. Yeah, so Haiti is one that we've been involved in on for pretty much from the start of our main operations. And, you know, Haiti is one of the- And, and, and when you say the by the start, hemisphere. yeah, but when you say from the start, how long have you guys been doing this um, with the Plastic Bank? Yeah, so about two years in Haiti. So uh, four years about in total for the company. And like any company, when you set it up, figure it out, really start getting the partners in place. Uh, there, there's a bit of time to, you know, do it in the right way, especially when so many people's lives uh, depend on what you're doing. Um, but yeah, for the last two years, we've been in Haiti and really focused on going into regions and finding models that work for their local economy and culture. And it's really important when we, when I say going into regions, you know, we hire a local country manager from the country, speaks the language to then empower local um, entrepreneurs to run these small businesses. So, you know, it's not us going in and telling people how to do it's figuring out a program that we can put on top of what existing areas have and really make it a program they own and that really relates to their own local culture. And, you know, it's, it's just always that experience of um, how do you create something that fully works somewhere and then can scale to every other culture and, 
you know, the first countries we're in with Haiti, the Philippines, just expanding into Brazil, Indonesia, India, and Ethiopia will really give us a good overlap of, you know, what's that model that works everywhere with that last, you know, 20% being really adaptive to that local culture. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, man, obviously, so, I, you know, you guys are based there in Vancouver, correct? That's correct. Uh, and um, how are you guys spreading the word? I mean, you, you get your, you know, you got a TEDx under your belt. Um, like, and other than like, and I believe me, I'm going to be sharing this podcast as hard and as fast as I can. Um, how, how are you educating the, the population? How are you getting out? How are you spreading um, so we can start looking for more plastic banks to uh, the, that movement to go across the world? Yeah, you know, it's a great question when we continuously learn and adapt and change the means of that. Uh, yeah, so I, I previously did a TEDx. David has just done actually a TED that's available on TED.com. Uh, we, we really started by really just kind of gather the world together to play a part. Like, and I am just such a big believer that consumer demand can drive change in companies. You know, if people stop buying items, items stop getting made. People stop buying from companies, companies go out of business. So we really started with the simple concept of, you know, what if we could just have a platform where we get people not to, you know, on, on social media, it's not just like our company, like a product. We ask them to demand that corporations use social plastic. And we've had over a million people ask for corporations to use social plastic, you know, tens of thousands of people on Twitter calling out brands by name. And we kind of keep looking at how to be a conduit for the fact that a lot of people don't want to do bad by purchasing. They're looking for an outlet to be part of stopping ocean plastic. Uh, we run an award-winning documentary called The Plastic Ocean. And there's been an ongoing theme with a lot of ocean awareness projects nowadays that realize that you know screaming to the world that there's problems and leaving it there isn't always the most impactful way to create a change where we've been attached to a lot of things that are trying to raise awareness then point to solutions or examples and that's when we continue to look to yeah how do we have the world not just being told that there's a problem but always having that second hand of and here's how you can help. And we just keep looking at how can we be a conduit for the world to help? Yeah, I, I think that's, that is such a unique message. Um, and obviously what, you know, my marketing brain's going off. I'm like, man, um, have you guys uh, had any like celebrity endorsers reach out yet? Or are you guys kind of actually looking for them or you just want this to be as organic reach as you can get? You know, it's a good good point. Uh, so we haven't been really going after the celebrity endorsement whatsoever. Uh, right now, though, we do work with a, a number of multi-billion dollar clients. And as the clients uh, get bigger at using and promoting the use of social plastic, it's really possible, let's say their specialty might be a little bit more and how to hook up the celebrity endorsements. And otherwise, we've just tried to essentially you know, lead through example and lead through thought leadership and kind of inspire through our own act or inspire through our own actions. So, you know, definitely the right celebrity endorser could be great, but definitely hasn't been a, you know, number one priority to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I also, I'm starting to think, um, I'm assuming probably a lot, a lot, a lot of college kids <laughs> they hear about this. 
Uh, and not and not to say that people that aren't in college aren't interested about the world's oceans and things like that, but this seems to be such a, a unique activist um, plight. Uh, have you, uh, you know, are you guys starting to take on volunteers, interns, or, or something like that? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we, we often get flooded with uh, volunteer and intern requests and are really trying to learn to accommodate a huge demand as compared to a small amount. Uh, but we continue to look at different programs, even how can we have, you know, plastic bank ambassadors within different schools? How can we do it in a win-win way that scales everything out? In Vancouver, we've just brought in a program where people can actually donate their returnable plastics to a program called um, Return It. And they have the option to donate that to the Social Plastic Foundation, which can then make a recycle local to make a global impact. And we just continue to look at ways to really inspire that movement to have creative actions. And uh, yeah, the, the millennial drive has been huge. And it's something that, you know, especially where all college kids are millennials by definition, where I, I, I'm just always inspired by the amount of people that are really just starting to get it. And I've also been inspired by the fact that even some of the companies we work with, some of the people genuinely creating change, you know, are still the older generation who've just realized that, you know, now there is ways to bring purposes into companies, even if it's companies that might not have been built on purpose. And I, I think the more awareness there is that someone's actions can have meaning, that uh, there's starting to be the chain reaction of people getting creative to bring that into their jobs to whether it was something that was always there or not. No, I, I totally agree. And it's just <laughs> everything I, I, I love is the fact that, you know, ideas are so valuable and, and sometimes people are like, Oh, and, and of course execution of an idea is even more valuable. So I, I have to give that credit where credit's due, but like what just a incredibly great idea to bring a unit of monetization that is already a kind of cool. Although when you guys started it, blockchain was, not, I'm not going to say not cool, not known, um, but that you guys took something as, as cool as a new technology on the ledger and you wanted to create something that had no value to bring value to it. So for those reasons, I mean, like you're killing three birds with one stone. Well, actually, you're, you're saving one manatee with one stone, um, but just uh, such an incredible, incredible idea that you guys are starting to execute on. Now, I do have to ask, so what have been some of the hiccups along the way? Like, give me some growing pains uh, that you guys have had to uh, kind of figure out in the last year. Yeah, I mean, some definite ones for us, even as any company, uh, you know, sometimes when you're incredibly successful on a, you know, an awareness campaign, things like that, and you get flooded with people asking how to help or offering different ways, you know, I'd say one of the genuine growing pains is when, you know, you don't have a way that every person in the world can contribute today. It really makes you realize that, oh, like every one of those is such a missed opportunity as compared to that was just all set in place the second, you know, someone had an offer of how you could help. You could just boom, empower them and set them free. So learning that as even as we go on forward is something we're trying to get good and better at. And same with even we're starting to transition into a way that we can have the world crowdsourcing what we're doing. So whether it's crowdsourcing the development of the platform, but almost more importantly, crowdsourcing the ideas to how we grow, how we expand, how we can make a better impact. You know, that's something we're all bringing in even through the app. We're soon anyone can just use the app and contribute to that ecosystem. 
So really the learning curve is even all the answers don't need to come from us. We just need need to be a conduit <laughs> to attract those answers. So, you know, sometimes every every obstacle reveals something beautiful. And it's just a continuous journey where, you know, especially the entrepreneurial mind, is, it's not about having every answer. It's just being about committed to figuring them out and becoming the people capable of delivering on that. And again, the only way we scale around the world is by really almost removing ourselves, our ego, and just allowing the world to be the change. And that's what we continue to, even through the app and through everything, how are we just a conduit for that world? And, you know, we, we just try to get creative. That may be one of my favorite two minutes in this podcast history. I, yes, everything you just said. Yes, uh, I love it. Especially that, you know, that in, that entrepreneurial, innovative, um, and socially conscious mind uh, that, that you guys have obviously got. And I, I just love it that we're trying to foster that in more people. All right, so people hopefully by this time are like dying, like shut up, Don, and tell us where we can find more. So tell us where we can find more. How do we get involved? How do we, um, you know, spread your word? Yeah, two best ways. One, plasticbank.org. There's a forum to join the movement and we'll keep getting better at what that means and how people can contribute. And now just launching the first version of the app, which can be on any of the app stores. Plastic Bank is what the app's called, all one word. And really the best thing anyone can do through the app is there's a feedback form that if you have an idea, a contribution, a thought, that's a way to directly just tell us anything that could help. And, you know, it's really a platform for someone to have a voice and we'll keep getting better at making it a rewarding and fulfilling platform to use. Awesome. All right. Well, honestly, I've been educated today. I've been inspired. I uh, just sincerely appreciate that you guys are doing this. So, uh, again, for you guys that, uh, you know, want to contact him, Sean Frankson, um, also find him on Twitter as well. Uh, Sean, I, sincerely, I'm inspired, man. And um, I'm hoping that, um, gosh, this podcast in some small way can also help spread the word as well and uh, keep pushing this forward. I thank you so much for being on the show. Perfect. And thanks for doing your part and spreading the movement. All right. All right thank you. All right, there you go. You heard the man, gave it all his contact information. Try to reach out to him, see what you can do to help the movement. Also, we encourage you to check out our Facebook group where the conversations continue there, facebook.com slash start ed up. All right, we're excited about another episode. Next week, we have on another educator on Friday. This week, we have on Jason Vest, so I'm looking forward to that one. As always, we also thoroughly appreciate when you guys have recommendations of who to have on next. Uh, I've got some teachers I need to contact because they got some recommendations on Twitter this week alone. We sincerely appreciate we don't grow unless we get feedback from people that uh, are constantly providing value to us. So thoroughly appreciate that. Other than that, this is Don Wetrick reminding you that opportunities are everywhere. We'll see you.